I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who love the smell of shellac in the morning. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, welcome to Wood Talk. It's show number 518. On today's show, we're talking about buying your first hardwoods, assemblies with no dings, and Rubo from Slabs. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a new product each month to one lucky Wood Talk listener. This month, they're giving away a Rockler router table, box joint jig, and a 12-piece box joint call set to help you make strong, tight-fitting box joints on your router table. It's a great place to make them too. Nice and clean results at the router table. I don't know why I never do it, but you know, theoretically, great results. The prize is valued at $134. You, just, you want my commentary on these things, right? Theoretically. <laughs> it's always good. Uh, the prize is valued at $134.98. And remember, enter for your chance to win before February 1st at rockler.com slash woodtalk. Oh man, when you go off script, it's... It's pretty incredible. It's always a like, treat. This is this is going somewhere positive. You're like, yeah, I just second guess it. Yeah, theoretically, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I don't know. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a good way. I don't know. I'm gonna assume what it is because you know I'm reading this ad for a box joint jig. Look, man, it's 15 years of bullshit. <laughs> people online, you just start to do it automatically. <laughs> I, don't uh, try just, anymore. Now it's we so, gotta... like meshed into your personality now. It's <laughs> yeah. just like, who you are at this point. It is. Yep. Uh, okay, I gotta put a note here. Bleep at how many seconds? <laughs> how many minutes into the show? Okay, anyway. I don't know. Where are we at? Somewhere? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so if you want to help support this weird show thing we do, when we're in the mood to do it, apparently, mm-hmm. you can do so. You can go to patreon.com slash woodtalk and sign up to become a patron of the show. This episode, we're thanking, not that Aaron, the other one. <laughs> Funkster Nine. <laughs> oh yeah. Bored to death woodshop. Mm. Kind of punny. Clever. Richard did there. Very nice. Douglas Holt and Nate Abel. Wow. That's great. Thank that you. That was a good one. Yeah. There's some good names. Thanks everybody. Good names today, guys. 
Appreciate it. Thanks for the support on Patreon. And uh, let's get to what's on the bench. It's been a couple of weeks. It was a uh, holiday break, Christmas, New Year's, all that happened. And we are back at it now. So, uh, you know, you guys find it hard to get back into the shop and kind of, or, or were you in the shop the whole time during the break? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just a little kinda, bit. Did you take yes some time off, Matt? Because I know you need it. Yeah. I, uh, it's, it's weird because it's like, not really time off, but like, I just kind of stopped posting stuff yeah, yeah. on social. Right. So I'm like, I'm just kind of like, I just don't want to. It's, <laughs> it's funny because like for, for me, I find it difficult to, to make that cut. So I, I spent a good amount of time going like, yeah, I think I'm going to delete the app today and just kind of keep it off my phone. But then I had something to post and it's like, it's really difficult to extract myself. But once extracted, oh my gosh, is it hard to go back? Like I was so like in the mode of like, life is good. I'm not talking about anything. I'm just having fun. If I go in the shop, it's like for my own purposes. Uh, so getting, getting my butt back in gear was kind of difficult this year. And yeah, you really messed up the, off. In the back of your head. Like I should be posting something right now or what should I post today? Cause I got to post something today Yeah, or yeah. whatever. What were you saying, yeah. Shannon about band-aids? Yeah. I mean, you go from posting nothing to write back to posting not only a tool review, but like a miter gauge review. Like, what the hell are you thinking? Like, normally yeah. I would encourage you not to do that on any time of day, but yeah. like to go from zero to that, that's just masochism, man. That's just dumb. You think yeah. you would have learned something after all these years of doing this content yeah. thing, but no, well, you just keep doing the same stuff, stupid stuff. I was going to say, you're going to no, write a book you, next? You to learn anything. How many books has he written? I'm, uh, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> about miter gauges, coincidentally. Yeah, you might as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not very smart is the problem. <laughs> I mean, I've been teasing about this miter gauge thing for months and I, you know, knew that I was, I was waiting for things to come in. I mean, all the delays and stuff with manufacturing, it's actually hard to get certain things. Uh, so I finally had every one of them in there. There was no excuse. I needed to move forward and I need to get these boxes out of the shop. So it was just like, all right, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's get into it. And boy, am I into it. I guess we're into our, our whole what's on the bench thing at this point. That's what's on my bench. Yeah. Miter gauges. gauges. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm running into that issue where, you know, you have a certain responsibility when you're going to open your mouth about a tool. Um, and something I've learned over the years where maybe I didn't do enough research or maybe I didn't try to fix something or, or, you know, look something up. I had a problem. And before reporting that problem, you should go and actually do a little due diligence and try to make sure you resolve that thing. Um, otherwise it just, you know, when you put a video out there, you never know how many people are going to see it. And there is a certain amount of, um, you know, the whole Spider-Man <laughs> power and responsibility sort of situation. If you have an audience, you do have that responsibility to make sure you've done everything that you can to uh, verify fix or whatever it is. So the problem is I've got 10 of these things. And I, the, I've had a couple people message me and say, well, you know, you don't have to you put it in the review just because they send it to you. doesn't mean right. you have to do it. I'm like, yeah. no one sent this to me. I bought these. I'm over <laughs> two grand deep yeah. in miter gauges right I'm, now. I'm doing this the right way. Yeah. I bought everything. Right. And the fact that like if one just reviews poorly and I leave it out, that doesn't make any sense. That's kind of counterproductive to what I'm trying to do here. If it doesn't really help the review aspect of it. No, not at all. If there's something wrong, I probably want people to know about that. So 
Especially now that you've put out a story on Instagram saying that <laughs> one of them would just sucked and the other one was really out of calibration. If it's like omitted and you're like, oh, well, I didn't include it in the review. Yeah. Everyone's going to know why. Yeah. <laughs> Process of elimination. They'll be able to figure it yeah. out. So, yeah, See, well, but I think, I mean, yeah, I think you need to be, um, I don't know if considerate's the word, um, you know, you need to be reasonable. Yes. Um, and if, if something is not working, then, you know, as, as an experienced woodworker, here are the steps that I would do to fix it. But, you know, I got 20 of these to do, so I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. But the responsibility at that point is on the company. Um, you have done a fair and honest and equal review. If it's a terrible product, and and the company, it's up to the company to respond. It's up to their yeah. marketing department to say, oh, well, you got a bad batch. Okay, well, you know, a bad batch is one thing, but what's your quality control like? You know, that, that there's all kind. that's their responsibility. It's not your responsibility. And I, I recognize what you're saying, yeah. but you're also not, I mean, I've watched enough of your videos. I've known you long enough. You're not like, you know, going off half cocked and not considering this stuff, just the amount of time you're putting into this. I think that's the review, honestly, that people want to see. Yeah. So I think you have to throw in the ones that, that suck and say, this yeah. sucks and here's why. Well, it's um, just tricky because you're taking a sample size of one and, you know, yeah. crap happens, right? Stuff comes off a line, there's errors, you know, but there should be a quality control mechanism in place to prevent a square from arriving out of square, especially if it's one that can't be calibrated. That's, that's problematic. Sure. And, but, but then again, that's the company's responsibility, not yours. It is. It is. You know, it's the same thing as, as a restaurant reviewer. You know, you know, yeah. well, that was, that was bad pasta that night. Okay. Well, very unfortunate timing that the restaurant reviewer showed up and had the bad pasta. Right. Or is this something that happens more often? Mm -hmm. You know, yes, it's a data point of one, but for the consumer market, unless you're Mark, you're not buying more than one miter gauge, you know, <laughs> yeah. you buy that one miter you're gauge. You're not crazy like he is. And, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, you have a very negative perspective on that company. Yeah. So yeah. these companies only have really one chance to get it right, Yeah, you know, or they've got one chance to get it right and outstanding customer service to make it right. To fix it right. So, as possible. Yeah. Well, you know, and the I other mean, thing with this is um, some of these companies are older than others. And sometimes when we say company, uh, it's, you know, maybe a guy and he's been doing this for a long time and it's his design, but he hasn't changed anything over the years and he takes it very personally. Um, I will say one company who has, uh, and I've heard from so many people about how they respond is a company like Odie's oil. Um, God forbid you say anything negative about it. Holy crap. Are you going to hear it from them? Right. It's never their product. <laughs> it's always the person. <laughs> And there are, that's oh. a common thing oh, yes. with some of these companies. <laughs> it is a common thing to be protective. And I get it. I make product. I make videos. I've made physical products. And my gosh, do you have to be careful about who you have at the front line at responding to these things? Because if you're emotional about it, guess what? It's not your business to be there. You need to be behind the scenes because being emotional about product feedback is that's irresponsible. That's really dumb. Um, but I get it as a person who's made things, I can't stand criticism. I don't like getting criticized. So <laughs> I totally understand it, but you know, you gotta, you gotta have the right people in place who are not emotionally attached to a product. So yeah, I yeah. don't know. It, we'll see how it goes. I'm in the throes of it and we'll hopefully finish it up <laughs> this week or next week and see how that goes. I, like a, I personally can't wait to thumbs down that video. I'm looking forward. No, well, no, actually, you can't, Shannon. I know I can't anymore. So dang it, you could take you that can't, thumb. Just, you just won't know. <laughs> you could take that thumb and put it somewhere, buddy. 
Um, so another bit of news, another bit of news. I am, uh, footloose and fancy free or something like that. Isn't it? What's the saying? My stepdad. I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. Anyway, that's, that's before my time. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's before my time. But that uh, speaks in emojis only now. Yeah. You gotta stay with the times. But it is 2022. And that means my, uh, contract with Powermatic is for the first time in 14 years. There isn't one. Wow. That's a long time. Right? Wow. End of an era. That's, that's like a long, it, that's, that's long. I, don't, I can't even, don't have the words for it. That's very you long. You had to really screw up to ruin that 14 year relationship. Well, it's, it's been I 14 years of screw ups is the accumulation. <laughs> <laughs> finally, finally somebody paid attention. Yeah, long someone's like, what hey, are wait we doing? why are we doing this with this guy? Um, yeah, it finally is, is done. And it's, uh, I've got a video hopefully coming out this Friday. Uh, that kind of talks about it. And it's not going to be very dramatic. Uh, business is business and there are changing priorities within businesses, especially one as big as Powermatic. Um, Nicole and I were talking about this though. And we have a lot of good memories of our interactions and experiences and things that Powermatic made possible for us. Um, we're very thankful for it and uh, you know, grateful for the opportunity that we had. But the funny thing is when we think about it from a sentimental perspective, it's totally one-sided. Because every person we've had like really good, strong interactions with and great collaborative experiences with, they either don't work there anymore, they got fired, or they've like moved up into a different position where they're no longer dealing with the Powermatic side. Maybe they're more like further up in the parent company. So all of our memories is like kind of like having a dream that you dated somebody and like it was a great experience and then you wake up and realize that person doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's no one else on the other side to go. That was a great 14 years. It's like, it's just the sentimentality is just coming from us. So kind of a weird experience though. Well, yeah, man, I would, you would expect it though. After 14 years, most people don't stay in one position in a company for 14 years. Yeah, no, but it's been cycled probably six times. Yes. Yeah, in so, that yeah. 14 it's, years. It's, it's not like it's one or two people. So yeah, well, that's, that's, I mean, that's an interesting point, especially like, I don't know on my side of things too, the companies that I work with is the relationships of the people there mm-hmm. that, that make it worth it or not worth it. Yeah, totally. Cause I'm like, uh-huh. this is fantastic yeah. because I actually like working with you. Totally. It's fun. But the, the folks here at Rockler, they're amazing. It's they're some of the awesome. best, right. some of the best people to work with. And you know, what's like, funny? This is nice. Why can't even everyone else be this nice to work with? Well, and a lot of these understand. people, a lot of the people we interact with there are the same people <laughs> that I interacted with like 10 years ago. The first time I, you know, had uh, business dealings with them. Um, there's not as much turnover there. Same thing with type bond. I'm dealing with the same exact people that we did when we started that, uh, sponsorship. Um, not every company has that kind of turnover. Well, anyway, <laughs> new anyway. bandsaw because, uh, <laughs> yeah, baby, <laughs> I got this SCM bandsaw and it's a beast and I love it. And like, I keep getting asked, like, why did I replace the Powermatic? Obviously the sponsorship changeover played a role in that, but I had a Minimax bandsaw that was one of the first tools that I justified purchasing as a new furniture making business when I moved to Arizona. And the Minimax 16 was like in the forums and stuff like that was the bandsaw to get. And I loved it. I was proud of myself for uh, putting it on a credit card. like a real man. I was proud of myself. (laughs) I was so into this, like, look at me doing my own thing, running a business. And, um, and then eventually when Powermatic came along, it just made sense to bring in a Powermatic bandsaw. And I always kind of missed that. 
And I wanted that back and just kind of tracing where the company went from that point. One of the closest things I could get to that is the SEM brand bandsaw that's Italian made a fantastic machine. I'm just, I'm in love with it. I'm hoping it doesn't disappoint me and do something stupid, but (laughs) it seems like a good tool. (laughs) I just, I love how like you can, you can, something is, is high quality when it's Italian made. Mm -hmm. Cause when you think Italy, you think bandsaw. What? No, if you're in the tooling world, you do. I mean, I just think it's funny how like you can put Italian made in front of any product and it makes it better. You're not wrong. I've been to Italy. I don't know about that. <laughs> For some reason. I, mean, I love Italy. They make great pasta. Yeah. But it's just, not just the food, don't man. Think of I've said this a million times. Uh, I don't know what it is. I mean, there might be other machines, too, but specifically bandsaws. It's Italy. Like they are the, the, the region to go to if you want the best possible made bandsaw. Why? I don't know. But because they maybe weird. they spend the time to actually, you know, true the wheels. I mean, there's not, I don't know, like there's not that much going on with the bandsaw. As someone who's built a bandsaw. Yeah. Like if you have really good true wheels, everything else kind of takes care of itself. Yeah. If it's all well maybe. balanced. And so I guess they're just yeah. riding their wheels to a tighter tolerance than anywhere else. They in the just world. make really, really good bicycle wheels. Yeah. And it transfers over. Well, it's That's also, it not for maybe nothing. Maybe the castings are better. They got better like cast iron there. Well, they the, the whole thing, castings or something? the whole thing in general is just more stable like that whole, can I start this up and balance a nickel on it? Well, I don't have change, but I, if I did, I bet you that nickel <laughs> would, would not my fall Apple over. Pay device on my, <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, I don't know. It's kind of fun. Um, I like having a Italian made tool in the shop. It's pretty cool to, to not have something that was made in Taiwan or China I, for once. I like the paint job. I like white. It's a nice honest. color scheme. It's pretty vanilla. Yeah. You could put stickers on it and stuff and you'll see them. It's pretty yeah. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and nice. best best part of all, uh, the blade size, the bottom of the range, I was nervous because I wasn't sure if it was going to fit, is like 153 and a half or something was the bottom of the range. I got a bunch of 153 inch blades from the PM 1500 and they mm-hmm. fit. They there fit. Hey. Yeah, baby. Yeah. So anyway, that's way too long talking about my crap. This show is going to be too long. Um, Matt, <laughs> what do you got going on? Well, it's been a little while, so, it, you know. Here we are talking Time to catch up. Well, the what people don't know is the 45 minutes we spent trying to get the show ready. Yeah. Because of technical problems. That's you know, the bonus episode for the patrons. <laughs> right. I'm sure they want to hear that. Oh, they do. <laughs> it might be a bit blue, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> oh, man. So, well, when did we record last? I remember what we were It doing. was a couple of weeks before Christmas. Before Christmas yeah. sometime. So we were, I've been on my little construction break. Since mid-November. Mm-hmm. Uh, in December, we did the floor in the new office that has a concrete floor in it now. So that's done and been curing. And in the meantime, before we start up again and start doing some real demolition work inside the house, it's going to be in two weeks from yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of taking it easy, taking a little break and doing a lot of like post-production stuff. Um, trying to get through all the content for essentially the next at least a month. I want to be a month ahead. Because I don't have a whole lot of energy left over to mm-hmm. do post production on stuff uh, during these construction things, mm-hmm. so there's there's that. So a lot of editing. I've got my Serpentine Chest of Drawers series that I'm finishing up. That's been an annoyingly long edit and long process. The amount of work that goes into woodworking project videos of that of that nature is astronomically ridiculous, and I kick myself every time. I'm like. 
I don't know why I do these videos. Yeah. I know I, I like, I know why I do them. But I'm like, God, this is a lot more work than like anybody realizes mm -hmm. how much effort goes into production. You're like, oh, that project probably took a while to make. Yeah, it did. And then you guess what, what took longer? Yeah. The video production. <laughs> Relatively speaking, not really. Even when you <laughs> have a professional doing it, like Todd does our editing on these projects, it can take him months to work through a guild project. Yeah. yeah. It's not a quick thing. <laughs> so what I'm getting, what I'm getting at here, what I'm getting from you is that you're probably not going to be doing a guild project anytime soon. <laughs> well, I actually was thinking about it because I have, a, I got a lot of uh, interior things to do. <clears throat> for the new kitchen and space and everything. So I think one of those things is going to be uh, a guild project. Hmm. Okay. Well, we do, uh, we're glad to have you. Oh, I know. I just, this, when you're well, it's going to be, I have a lot of interior stuff to do. So I have a full kitchen build out. So all the cabinets, the Island, mm -hmm. um, I have a breakfast nook bench, breakfast nook table, a dining table oh. and a, uh, like a entryway cubby, a cubby, um, like armor, I don't know what we want to call it, like a mudroom thing where you put your crap. Like a hall tree? Yeah, but with doors, I guess. Hall trees can have doors. Yeah, but what's the tree aspect of it then? There's no... I don't know. I didn't name the stupid <laughs> thing. <laughs> but you can have doors? It's a it's a, I'm sorry. It's a closet. Okay. It's a built-in closet cabinet thing. So a hall tree with doors. <laughs> with doors, <laughs> yes. It's a closet and cabinet no, thing. And no bench thing. Oh, okay. And, then I have all, and I have a whole pantry to build out as well. And I have all the trim to make in the house. Do you find so, that like a little more motivating? Um, I don't know if you guys needed the serpentine dresser, but a lot of times when you're just inventing projects to build because you think it might be, make a good video or you're somewhat interested in it. Um, I know I personally find the motivation a lot better if it's a, like incredibly purposeful build that we're going to use in the house. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It gets me to the finish line. Yeah. Like for real. Yeah. Cause you get <laughs> the like, I can, I cannot wait to have this yeah. new table because we need this new table. I'm a little, I'm definitely a little more motivated to get it all the way done and, and just be fully done with it. Yeah. yeah. With the serpentine thing, there's like so many little details on it and there's so much video footage and content and things. I'm like, I just don't want to be doing this anymore, but I have to. Yeah. I'm like, I don't like right now, I don't want to be doing it, but I got to get it done. So I don't, I don't have it in my shop anymore and I can move on to the next thing in my life. Right. Well, Which if you read between the lines, Mark, that was the only way we were able to get Matt to show up for recording this because he didn't want to do what he was doing anymore. That's right. He found something else that was worse. <laughs> Actually, that's true. I'm supposed <laughs> to make drawer bottoms today. And oh, yeah, I'm man. doing this. So that's I'm not, not fun. I'm really torn up about it. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I'm going to go snowmobiling after this. Well, there you go. <laughs> see, see, you just got to change, change your process. I love making drawer bottoms because I get to use my panel raising claim. I, mean, I don't fun. hate it. I just don't want to be doing that project. You're over it. He's over it. I'm so, I'm so yeah. over it. Yeah. Cause Been I know there. that as soon as I make the bottoms, then I got to sit at my desk and edit that footage yeah. and put it into that video. And I still got to do all the glamour shots of that stupid thing too. So I'm going to go take it out in the snow again <laughs> and do that crap. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have uh, every single uh, I always, finish. I always love how glamour shots are out in the snow because we put all our furniture out in the snow so often. But <laughs> right, like no one questions that. There well, it is in the middle of the lawn. Oh, look how nice that is. And I started like, why doing it because I didn't have room in my other house, the old house, <laughs> yeah. to do that. Well, you get well, the it. only place I could you get a good do picture it. out of it, though. I mean, it's it's. Oh yeah. It. No so doubt. now I'm like, yeah, we're just gonna do that all the time because it's. Uh, I think with wallet on the white background like that, it just kind of it helps. Pops pop real nice. Yeah. You know, you want to hear something really weird. Um, the, the piece that I just designed for my mom, just a little cabinet to go under her um, TV that's mounted to the wall. 
went through the whole design process, got the SketchUp nailed down. I was super motivated, like really excited to build this thing. And then my hey, buddy Eric uh, says, hey, send me the file. I want to make a, a realistic <laughs> rendering of it. There's no, no point of building it now. <laughs> People joked about that. And I'm sitting here going, I feel like I already built it. Like I got the satisfaction of seeing what the finished product would look like. And yep. I swear it sapped my motivation. How stupid that's, is that? That's a lot of it for me is like, okay, I have this concept of something. Now I want to turn it into reality. That's the only reason I feel like I'm building a lot of times. So I want to see that thing. Yeah. In a three-dimensional like real space. Yeah. Well, well like maybe, I saw the rendering. Maybe rendering, you created like, an NFT. Right. It's a yep. woodworking NFT. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, exactly. for millions yes. of dollors now. Well, do that. I, just, I, I honestly, just do that. I'm having trouble. Sell that thing now. <laughs> okay. I'll be done with it. I'm just having trouble getting my brain back into it. Like I want to build this because it was like, well, the the final reveal was kind of done already. And chances are (laughs) the real thing will never look as good as the rendering. Won't look as good as that. Right. (laughs) So like, what's the point? Yeah. Super weird. Yeah. And you can, you can change the species with a click of a button in the rendering. Exactly. You know, or the the way the light's hitting it. You can do all kinds of things. Finish. That's why I've always said that, that SketchUp or just add your modeling program of choice. That's like the woodworking video game. Yeah. Like you could spend hours just like building furniture and, and, you know, okay, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I don't need to build that chest of drawers. <laughs> I'm good, I, I'm what good I with it do. now. <laughs> All right, Shannon, what do you got going on? Oh, well, you guys know, I've been playing with marketry for almost two years now. <clears throat> and I decided it was time to build a table and incorporate a full marketry panel in it. And I was going to use one of my own photographs for the, the design. Mm. That is hard. Like, yeah, I did. It, it's it's the blank page syndrome. Like I've done a fair amount of marketry now. Well, it's actually been more than two years, but I've used like like you know Paul one of Paul Church's patterns, or I used like uh, a logo here or a logo there. You know, I had a design to start with, um, or like in Paul Church's example, he calls them cartoons. You know, he's got that kind of all lined out for you, and you can kind of see, okay, this is a specific cutout, and and this species could go here. And this species could go there. But when you start with like a photo, like I have no idea. Like I put it in Photoshop to kind of make like a line, like a pencil sketch drawing out of it. Mm -hmm. And that helped a little, but like trying to figure out, do I like sand shade this? Do I change species here? Do I use like a double bevel to like blend like a, a whiter holly into like a less white maple, that, that whole, that artistry that comes in transforming a photograph into marquetry. That is so hard, so much harder than like the actual cutting out yeah. and the actual execution of the marquetry. I have spent basically since our last recording playing around with this design. I haven't pulled out veneer yet. Just trying to figure <laughs> out how do I like make this not look like crap? Like I, I have basically I have a photograph, um, it's I'm I'm actually in the photo, but it doesn't really matter. It can be anybody. I'm fly fishing in a river and there's like an elk standing behind me. This is up in Rocky Mountain National Park about 20 years ago. And the sun is hitting. And it's just one of those images, pictures that we took that you're like, wow, we'll never be able to do that ever again. <laughs> yeah. And it was the irony is it was on like a cheap, like three megapixel camera. This shows you how long ago this was. Nice. Top of the line, three megapixel camera. Um, so, you know, it's a very cool image that's got to look cool on kind of an occasional table and I don't want it to look like a cartoon you know I don't want so there's got to be a fair amount of of shading and a fair amount of blending of, of veneer and things like that and man 
I've always had respect for guys like Silas Koff who make like true masterpieces, works of art or David Marks Mm -hmm. and like the 300 billion pieces of veneer he puts into this like three square inch puffer fish. (laughs) Holy crap. So nice. Like ridiculous. My, my, my respect has moved from respect to just dumbfounded awe at this point, trying to figure this out. So the good news is I'm definitely challenging myself and that's really cool. But yeah, it's starting to get to the point where I'm like, all right, maybe I'm just going to change the design and, and, and do like a, you know, a rubber ducky or something, <laughs> rubber <laughs> something ducky. much simpler than this. Yeah. Rubber ducky. My, my, <laughs> a bit off a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now that I've said it on the show, I probably have to go through with it. Dang it. Yeah. That was a mistake. Well, yeah. cool. So that's where I am. I'm looking forward to seeing you struggle for once. at least you're struggling with like a woodworking challenge (laughs) like that that's that's a good thing to struggle with because you're challenging yourself that's good yeah as compared to adobe audition and podcast audio audio and yeah (laughs) all right let's get to our kickback and announcements uh two pieces of kickback we'll read real quick here shannon grab that first one uh this is from Jacob. He says, uh, wanted to comment on the portion of the episode recently where the gentleman was puzzling over the best approach for cutting a circular dining table. About a year ago, I did the exact same thing for my dining table and was equally torn on the best approach. My table is about one and three quarter inches thick and 60 inches in diameter. I considered investing in a couple of white side bits as you recommended, but that would have worked just fine, but it would have been pretty expensive. What I ended up doing was making a center pin jig for my skill saw and made several passes plunging the blade down a little further each go around. Um, I made the, the cut with the bottom of the table facing up because I needed to drill a small hole for the center to pivot on. I know Rocklet makes jigs for these route for routers, but nothing large enough for a five foot table. I don't believe anyway. I was extremely impressed with the result. I had virtually zero tear out and it was pretty darn friendly on the wallet as well. There we go. So he used a circular saw in a trammel arm setup? That's what I'm starting to question. When people say skill saw, they normally mean a circular saw, right? Yeah. Yeah. How does that work? I mean, I guess the radius is large enough. Radius is big enough where it's not. And you're not going deep enough with each pass. So you're just kind of chewing away on, oh, wow, that's weird. I want to see it. I would have. Yeah, right? (laughs) We'll do it. I'm not sure that I want to do it. I want to see it. I think this is a lot like making, um, what do you call it? Like cove molding on the table saw. Cove molding. Yeah. Kind of like that very non-typical uh, approach. But if you're taking your time and being careful, it can work. Yeah. Wow. That's okay. interesting. Yeah. I guess interesting. why not? Well, good stuff, Jacob. Yeah, None yeah. of us had thought of that approach. It's pretty neat. Okay. Second one here is a comment that was left on the Wood Talk site. I love this <laughs> oh, stuff God. because he's uh doesn't like Shannon very much. Um, (laughs) this is from a guy named Matt. He says first nurses and now programmers really Shannon. I take umbrage. Good sir. With your baseless accusation that programmers get into woodworking because our life's work doesn't actually create anything other than ones and zeros. (laughs) While it might not be physically tangible. I happen to be one of the many programmers who build and maintain software that helps tens of millions of people around the world, uh, get and stay healthy that watch on your wrist and computer on your bike or nothing more than a fancy paperweight without the work of myself and my colleagues at Garmin. Well, you stepped Uh-oh. in it now, Shannon. While, no. <laughs> while I admit I'm surprised by the number of professional nerds in the woodworking arena myself, I think for programmers, it's more about the love of creative problem solving, which we can all agree 
that our shared hobby has plenty of. Oh, and also I expect an apology in the next episode, lest I hack your Instagram account and post pictures of power tools. (laughs) Winky face. All right. So should I mention that I recently sold my Garmin bike computer and bought a competitor's bike computer? No. No. (laughs) Probably, probably shouldn't mention that. Okay. I won't, I won't mention that then. (laughs) I just won't mention which competitor it was then. Well, thanks for that, Matt. We always appreciate feedback that criticizes Shannon. Yeah, <laughs> always. Especially, yes. <laughs> well, you know who doesn't criticize Shannon publicly? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Rockler. Rockler's going to help you build. Uh, they got this whole oh, shop guide man. thing. Uh, you could build your dream shop with the help from your friends at Rockler, whether you're planning to build your first workshop or you're looking for ideas to improve your existing workshop rockler's new build up your shop guide has you covered it's a collection of more than 50 articles videos and free project plans that'll help you make the most out of your woodworking shop space find the guide online at rockler.com that sounds great i mean when you're doing shop improvements i know for me it's a rabbit hole and i could i could be there for weeks just trying to look at like well should i should I build a stand for this new lathe or should I buy something? And, uh, you know, just looking at plans, different ideas. There's uh, never too much inspiration. So this sounds like a really great resource. Go check it out. It's at rockler.com. I bet you you'll um, probably find Matt's outfeed table in there somewhere. Oh, definitely. Right? It's a good build. Well, anyway, <laughs> <Very nice. laughs> always improving the shop. That's the place to go when you need to do that. Go check out rockler.com. Furness. All right, let's get to some questions, yo. Yo, 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 yo. This is from Will. He says, I'm a pretty new hobby woodworker about a year in. I have a small setup in my garage. I've uh, done mostly items for the house. I'm still pretty intimidated, though, at the thought of working with hardwood. It's not the wood itself, but more of the investment that keeps me working with southern pine. Um, when do you make that transition to quality wood? And do you have any advice on how to find a good lumber yard to purchase from? if I can muster up the courage. Um, he lives in Michigan. He's been to the Rockler close to me. Um, he loves it, but what can I say? I'm frugal. So I guess he doesn't want to pay Rockler prices for, for hardwood. Mm-hmm. So fair enough. Um, well, I, I, I wanted to, to bring this up just because to me, I try to make that transition as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it will transform your woodworking. Like starting with quality material is going to make everything downstream easier. So I actually have a great deal of respect for the people who, you know, like like Will is like, you know, I'm trying to save a buck and I'm using, you know, softwoods or whatever. The hoops that you have to jump through to get that warped and twisted and probably not properly dried material behaving nicely is just crazy mm-hmm. um when you switch to and it's not just hardwoods you know you can buy quality softwoods from a from a lumber yard that have been you know cut and dried to be lumber not so much construction lumber but you know lumber to be used for furniture or something like that it's kind of a transformative experience and everything becomes a lot easier so i encourage people to go there as soon as you can recognizing that it is a little bit harder on the wallet, but heck, softwoods are still expensive right now. So I'm not sure that it's that much of a difference. You know, you're not going to be going out and buying ebony, but you know, you're in Michigan, you're going to find some good deals on maple. 
up in your neck of the woods. You're going to find some good deals on poplar. Yeah, (laughs) there's a lot of trees in Michigan. (laughs) But but here's the other thing. There's a lot of softwoods as well. And there's some really high quality softwoods coming out of Michigan. So um, he's in the Ann Arbor region. Head a little bit north of you. Um, You're going to find some of the finest softwood plantations around Mm. up there. So uh, I remember driving through them thinking, wow, there's some pretty softwoods. So I would (laughs) I would encourage you to do that quickly. Um, for me, the, the rockler and the other rockler, when you go shopping there, that to me is much more of a very specific reason. Like I, I need a specific species or I want to buy like, you know, a weird species. I want to incorporate some cocoa below or something and you buy a small piece of it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Granted rockler, I know has put a serious investment into their hardwood sections. So they have a lot more options now depending upon the store. But if, if you really want to make that change, I advise you to just do it. Just jump in, have a very specific project in mind, have a very specific idea of what lumber you need, because that first trip to a, like a quote, real lumber yard is going to be a bit of a kid in a candy store type thing. And you're going to end up paying way too much because if you don't have a plan, you're going to buy some random stuff (laughs) that may or may not work for you. It may or may not be the right length or the width of the species you're looking for. You're just going to get kind of excited and you may not calculate the, properly in your head oh heck yeah. the price right you, yeah. you won't calculate you go, wait, properly how much? in your head <laughs> yeah so you know it's it's imperative that you have a shopping list you know um and i encourage you to not have a shopping list in board footage it, it certainly will help to know how many board foot you need because you can go into the guy and say i'm going to need 25 board feet of cherry but what you need to have is also kind of an idea of the sizes of the parts you're going to need to make because that's where I think a lot of people go wrong. They, they think, okay, I need 25 board feet of cherry. Somebody brings out a pallet, they drop a pallet in front of them and, and it's like, oh, go to town, you know? And then you're like, okay, well, I don't quite remember exactly what I need. I think I'll just buy three boards. Maybe four boards will be enough. You pay enough, you get back to the shop and maybe have what you need, maybe you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, in your head or you know, on a separate piece of paper, need to have some form of, of a, not so much a cuts list, a cut list, but like a shopping list. Um, and you need to have thought, thought that through a little bit. I happen to have a great article on my blog about this and also an article in popular woodworking that talks about this. But the, the key also is to, to call around some places. There are lumber yards in your neck of the woods, do a little bit of Googling to find some lumber yards and just give them a call and say, look, I'm a hobbyist woodworker. I'm looking for smaller volumes. First of all, do you service me or are you a wholesale only? Um, most of the time they're going to be fine. If you, if you call ahead and know kind of how they, how they operate, it's going to remove a lot of that kind of fear and uncertainty. And then you can show up and sometimes even ask, you know, look, is there a better time that I should come? Like if I show up at seven o'clock in the morning on a Monday, that could be when all the contractors are there and it could be super maddening. Um, but if I show up, you know, if, or first of all, you even open on weekends, that type of thing. Have a conversation with um, the salesperson and you'd be surprised how a lot of that uncertainty and fear will kind of fall away. And, you know, if if you're not trying to, like, pretend you know a lot more than you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And you might actually get a lot of help. And a lot of these lumber guys have been at it for decades and they can really be very beneficial kind of resources. So, yeah, I, <laughs> my advice, it's not very good, is <laughs> get into hardwoods quickly and just rip the Band-Aid off. Just find a local yard, make the phone call, find out when's the best time to come and just go and and check the ego and just be prepared 
um, as much as you can with kind of a specific shopping list. Mm. You're really into Band-Aids today. Yeah. I know. Something about Band-Aids. <laughs> We're doing that today. <laughs> Did someone hurt you? <laughs> I got the boo-boo. <laughs> but just as a frame of reference, um, my third project, I believe, is when I, not the transition to hardwood, I used oak for my first couple of projects, oak, solid wood, and plywood. My first, or I would say my third project was when I took the Band-Aid off and went to a lumberyard, <laughs> like a real hardwood dealer. Uh, so I was three projects in because I kind of had that same thing. Like I want this is what I want to do. I don't want to be in softwood land. I want to use what these people that I admire are using. So the sooner I agree, the sooner you get into it, the better. Plus I, yeah. there's something to be said for the experience, right? Uh, practice with the kind of wood or comparable wood to the wood you want to use eventually. Because if you get used to what it's like to cut dovetails in pine and then you, someone hands you red oak, <laughs> It's, you're going to find it's a yeah. very different experience. Oh, well, especially easier. in this case, Will specifically said Southern pine. Yeah. Southern pine's a lovely wood, but it's kind of a pain in the butt sometimes. It's really like the, the early and late growth is very different density. Yeah. So it's got that kind of like the same thing as Douglas fir, like pick up some Northeastern white pine and you're going to think, where have you been all my life? Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. You're going to actually find that you'll have a better experience working with something like cherry or walnut or poplar than you have with the Southern pine. Right. So yeah, go do it. <clears throat> do it. Do it. Get do it. it. All right. Doug wrote in question on assembly. He says wizards of wood, AKA Mark, Matt and Shannon. And more importantly, Margaret, how do each of you handle not getting dings or other marks on projects during the dry assembly? Uh, to check for fit, sizing tenons, etc. I don't have a tried and true way and I'm constantly frustrated by a divot here or there. A recent example is divots and marks on legs, excuse me, of a walnut dresser that I was making happened while I was fitting tenons into the mortises. A uh, nice cozy blanket on top of the assembly table might help, but kind of a pain. Thoughts? Well, for me, Doug, this is exactly what you said. Um, if you don't want digs and scratches, you probably should have a softer surface to work on. Um, so I've got moving blankets in the shop that I use. I've got some of those Rockler uh, silicone, uh, what do you call it? Like the, the bench covers, they're just silicone pads that you could lay down. Those are really nice. Um, though I've been using them for finishing. So not the greatest thing to do for a final <laughs> assembly because you might stain <laughs> something. Uh, but you want something soft. I don't put those finished pieces, especially after I've done some sanding on it and I'm on my way toward like the finishing prep stage. The last thing I'm going to do is put that down on a solid hard surface, which likely has little bits of wood or who knows, little chips of wood or just the surface itself. Um, as soon as you put something on top of that workpiece and it's sitting on top of something hard, boom, there's a couple of baby dents. Uh, and God forbid you uh, slip and drop something or hit two pieces against each other. Uh, so definitely yeah, it's a pain in the butt, but you know, it's a lot better than having to steam out dings and worry about sanding scratches. So get yourself some moving blankets, uh, old, you know, I don't know, an old blanket from the house or something before you throw it away, take it into the shop, you keep it folded up under the bench. And then whenever you need it, uh, people even use like, um, old, uh, what the, like old carpet you can use. I've, I used to work in a shop where, uh, just old carpet remnants were kind of just stapled to the top of the assembly table. Uh, and that's where we would do the assembly or at least the initial moving of the parts around. So yeah, that's it. Be careful. Number one. And <laughs> number two, it. you need a soft surface to work on. You're, you're working against yourself. If you're using something 
hard. And I think that's just a, just a part of woodworking. Do either of you not use a soft surface when you're in those delicate finishing stages of a project? Nope. Nope. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But, but, but I think, I think there, therein lies the difference in that delicate stage of the project. I mean, dings and divots and things happen. Like he's talking about dry fitting, like a recently cut tenon. I mean, I'm not going to pull out a blanket there. Um, You know, I I do think, you know, you can be careful. I don't want to be hammering on that, you know, walnut leg directly, but that's going to happen. Like you're going to run into those things. There's that time where you like set it down on your workbench and there happens to be some like chips or something on the workbench and they get embedded into the project. That type of stuff happens, but that's what like finish prep is for. Well, that's why you're Um, in a rough stage at that point. Right. So, I mean, putting down the blanket, yes, when I'm at the finish prep stage. Right. I'm not putting down a blanket while I'm cutting joinery. That's a good and, point. And yeah. if, I'm not and doing if that he's either. worried about it there, you know, certainly be careful there. But at the same time, there is a certain amount of acceptance <laughs> that that stuff's going to happen. That's why we have finish prep. Yeah. That's why that's a whole stage in building a project. You also need to be careful with, um, you know, what you're hitting it with. So if even if you're using a dead blow, A lot of times, depending on the species of wood, that dead blow can still dent the work. Clamps can still dent the work. So make sure you're using calls for that. If you're uh, smacking this thing with a dead blow hammer, does not hurt to grab a little scrap of wood and put that under the hammer. So you're hitting that instead of the the project itself. You could save yourself some headaches there as well. Okay. Get get yourself a nice bench brush. That's a good idea too. That's one of those little little tips things. I have my... Uh, my grandfather's one. It's like a pig's hair one, like super mm-hmm. old. May I just have it under my bench and whenever I need, whenever I'm like going to bring a part to the bench, whatever, just brush it off. And yeah. they don't have any chips and things sitting there to embed into your project as much. You know what else I started to do? That's very cool. Kind of acid. I have the same thing I, from I do my it. wife's grandfather. Um, oh. I've been putting, I kept a couple pieces of quarter inch MDF from, the, that's usually what I make templates out of. So I had a couple pieces just sitting around. Um, I cut two of them and I use those as a bench cover for glue ups and finishing too. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds ridiculous. Like it's your workbench, just use your workbench. But one of the problems and the reasons, you know, Doug is probably getting these dents is because he might have little flecks of dried glue on top of his bench that he didn't know was there. Um, so I have been making great efforts to try to keep the top of my workbench pretty pristine, uh, by putting a sacrificial first uh, surface on top of it. And then I never have glue contact or finish dried finish there ever. Uh, so that if I do pound some tenons down, um, I should not be uh, causing big dents. I bought one of those fancy Rockler silicone mats, finally. Yeah, those are good. Did you? Just because of the sheer joy of peeling the glue off afterwards. You know, it's one of those. Don't get uh, like Rubio in there because mm, no bueno. Like <laughs> it partially yeah. cured, not properly cured oil finishes in that grid work that's on that, that like a uh, rough surface that they have there, that pattern. It's a huge pain in the butt. So don't do that. Yeah. I bought two of them. <laughs> one of them <laughs> yeah. gets for glue and one's for finish. <laughs> oh, that's smart. <laughs> you should get a third for assembly. <laughs> Perfect. Just yeah, a few you. more too. Later. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah. Help them out. Sell some more mats. Mm-hmm. Start using them as anti-fatigue mats. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's not a terrible that's idea. That's not terrible. <laughs> I mean, it'd be a great yoga mat, right? (laughs) (laughs) Just every single Instagram post from here on out is just going to be, you know, go Rockler, hashtag sponsored. (laughs) Right. You know, actually, like for this time of year, it'd be a good like floor mat for your car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Water yeah. resistant. Sure. Doesn't care yeah. about snow and ice. Oh man, yeah. I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right. This next question is from Drew. Uh, Drew brought the plans for the workbench from the Wood Whisperer Guild. I think that's that's Mark over there. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Drew. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. From Drew. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm going to change them and use some four-inch slabs my brother milled on his bandsaw mill. The slabs are pretty dry. One is 11%, and the other is 13. I heard you episode 516. Sea channels are a waste of time. And I was planning on using a, planning on using sea channels to help with bowing, but now I'm not sure. <laughs> Am I making a mistake using the slabs? Will the sea channels help or not? Uh, so I, I'm not sure like if this is the new bench or the old bench, Mark. That we're referring to it's got to be I the think new one nope no one's talking about the old one anymore <laughs> the uh the new one still has the the top stretcher split top the, uh with yeah it's a, basically it's the same thing it's a smaller um yeah. split top rubo so on the the rubo you have those upper stretchers on the leg assemblies mm-hmm. that are there and you're actually bolting those tops down to those stretchers anyway so that actually acts a lot like the c channel to help hold those things flat uh I don't have a whole, I guess we don't have a whole lot of detail here, but we step through a few little things as we just kind of talk through this real quick. So I'm not sure if you're planning on using the four inch slabs like flat, just lay that on there and that's the top, or you're planning on ripping those into strips and then glue them together into slabs um, like you would do with a normal thing and only have, you know, three laminates per split top mm-hmm. piece, or if you're just going to do one single slab, if you're going to rip them up and uh, glue them back together, I think you're not going to have as much of a problem because you can have the same thing going on as you would if you're doing that out of the eight quarter material you're going to be rotating a lot of your stuff and a lot of your pieces are going to be quarter side anyway so you're going to have a lot less movement um the other thing i want to just kind of touch on real quick is the moisture reading uh depending on how you got that those may or may not be that accurate so if you're using a simple pin meter and just sticking that on the surface there's no way that's going to be very accurate uh you really need to get into the core to get a real measurement if you're using a scanning meter Again, that's not going to scan deep enough to get into your core. So if you want to take this pretty seriously, um, as you're cutting these things apart, you want to get a a piece of the slab and get cut down so you get a reading in the core and get a real idea of what your actual moisture content is. How uh, far in from the... Too crazy. If he was like taking a cross section, just a little cross cut from the end, how far in would you say he needs to go if he's cutting just a little piece off to get to that like far enough in from the end grain to be accurate? Uh, the further to the center, like through the length of it, it's like the most accurate way would be to take your board and cut it dead smack in the middle. Cut it in half. Two pieces. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And get our core reading right there. Especially in this thicker stuff, you'll see that the, um, they'll actually, even though you seal the ends, they're still going to be pulling moisture out of the ends faster than in the actual core core. Mm-hmm. Like there's the core in thickness and there's a the core in width and then the core in length. So you end up with this kind of like oval oblong kind of shape of this moisture gradient. We're in the very, very core, um, right at the very dead smack center, length, width, and thickness is where your moisture moisture is going to be. So like, this is kind of off topic, but like when we talk about, it takes a lot to like dry slabs properly. Mm -hmm. That's why, because the actual core measurement is way the heck buried in there. And just because you're taking a reading on the end, it's not really, with experience and like trial and error, you can get a good idea of where the core should be based off of those readings, mm-hmm. but to get a real accurate idea, you got to be like in there. So the most accurate way to do this, if you have, it would be a, um, a hammer style pin meter where you actually hammer the pins into the board and you can actually right. get down to the core that way. 
and getting reading that way. Um, otherwise, you're kind of stuck cutting into it to get a true, accurate reading. Hmm. Okay. It's good to know. I don't know if that helps, but you can use C channel if you want. I don't really care. I think we talked about that before. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Do what you want. <laughs> um, the only thing with the C channel is you don't want to go too thick with that because you end up with a really thin spot in your bench. So don't go like, I got a four inch slab, it's four inches thick, let's say it's finished, and you cut a three and a half inch thick C channel in there, and you got a half inch thick of material on top. Yeah, that's kind of thin there. And if you ever want to flatten your bench, you only have a few flattenings until you're like completely through. Yeah. So just be careful with that too. I I gotta say I wouldn't use C channel at all, just because <laughs> Thank you, Shannon. <laughs> no, just in this particular instance with a workbench, like dog holes. Like I live and die by dog holes. And I love the fact that I can drill a dog hole anywhere I need it. If I have C channel underneath my bench, I can no longer do that. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you where I'm going to need a dog hole is where there's a C channel. So you absolutely yeah. still can. You just need to use a bit for steel. You got to know that that's going to happen. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Unless your bench is so thick and you want to, well, I guess you could just counter bore with a bigger bit from the bottom. Never mind. Just throw your workbench up on the bridge port and, you know, cut your, uh, you know, buckle. that bridge port that you have, Shannon. <laughs> In the yeah, corner. It's in my laundry room. It's next door to my shop. If we start seeing, <laughs> if we start seeing C channel in workbenches, it's gone too far. I'm done. It's gone I'm too done. far. Let's stop yeah. the madness. <laughs> too far. Putting my foot down. <laughs> now I'm mad. Too much. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, we got actually quite a bit of feedback on the C channel. Um, so, As you, you know, controversial topics typically do that. Yep. I got an email in my inbox right now from a guild member asking about C channel. Oh, good. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that just about does it for us, right? Shannon, you want to give them that sweet contact yeah, I think so. info? Sweet, sweet contact info. Oh, hold on. Please send us questions. I'm supposed to read something from Rockler, aren't I? Oh, I don't know. Oh, crap. I forgot. You're in charge of that. Okay. Go, go. You talking, and then I'll, I'll read the, the. Don't forget to enter the whatchamacallit giveaway for the. How did I not put that in the notes? The, the box table joint. The hoochie <gasps> thing. The thing. I haven't had a whatchamacallit in years. I would enter if they were giving away a whatchamacallit. Those are, are quite tasty. Uh, you know, family owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to <laughs> source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or a new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com for a store near you. Uh, or you can use the code WOODTALK, one word, online to receive free shipping on most orders over $39. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk and enter for your chance to win a Rockler router table, joint jig, and a 12-piece box joint call set. Smooth and organic, as always. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Folks, this show revolves around your questions, so you got to send us questions or we won't have anything to talk about, unlike, like, the majority of the show <laughs> where we just talked about nothing. Uh -huh. If that's the type of show, then don't send us questions. But if you actually want us to talk woodworking, you need to send questions, go to woodtalkshow.com and you can fill out the form there or you can email us directly at woodtalkshow at gmail.com or you can even look us up on Instagram. We are at woodtalkshow there as well. Margaret, thank you for running that whole thing. Thank you for collating, curating and Whatever, I can't think of another C word. Those questions. 
<laughs> oh boy. Calculated. The show's run on far too long. <laughs> but uh, mostly, I want to say again, thank you for Margaret handing the social media and especially on this episode, thanks to Nick Key who helps us do the editing because boy, are oh you boy, in for there's it. a dude this, today. This is going to be a good one. Oh, baby. All right. Well, I think that does it for us. We're going to let you guys go right now. Bye-bye. Not extending the podcast any longer. Have a great day. Bye. See ya. Bye, bye, bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.